Whether you're the casual hockey observer or the epitome of a rabid Hawks fan, Blackhawks Live answers all your questions. You know, they obviously turned up the heat on us, and uh, we just kind of clammed up. Uh, I didn't think we were moving our feet. Joe Brand delivers the news, notes, and everyday gossip from the Madhouse on Madison. Here's Joe Brand. It's always weird when you head into the All-Star break for any sport, really. Day after day, you've got either a game to cover or practice, or maybe it's a day off, but still just kind of surveying what's going on in the league. And then it all just comes to kind of a grinding halt, and the hockey world stops, even though there are still games going on right now, but not for the Hawks. They're on their All-Star break, and they don't play again until February 7th. Hopefully, on the other side of the All-Star break, the Hawks can find some offense because they were definitely lacking it on this most recent road trip in which the Hawks were swept. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. Our producer is Jack Heinrich, and the Hawks are coming off the worst road stretch in franchise history. 20 consecutive losses for this Blackhawks team on the road. 0-19-1 to be exact. And a four-game road trip to close out the first half. Up in Vancouver, Seattle, Edmonton, and Calgary. Four games the Hawks were able to collect just two goals. However, it's still a better performing team. It's still competitive games. They lost the last game to Calgary 1-0. They had a pretty good showing against the Edmonton Oilers, but it's always tough to stop. Connor McDavid and the crew. Not too bad of a showing in Seattle as well, but kind of a a three-goal swing almost on one play where Ryan Donato nearly had a breakaway that would have brought the Hawks within a goal, and it turned into a Seattle breakaway that gave the Kraken a three-goal lead, and then prior to that, a 2-0 loss to the Vancouver Canucks, who did have the best record in the NHL at the time, but... These losses still sting, and you worry about how it can affect the locker room, how it can affect the mentality of this young core, and we saw this and we talked about this a lot last year, and it seemed like Luke Richardson had a pretty good grasp of things, because as the season progressed after the All-Star break last year, the Hawks did a good job of staying in a lot of games. And remember, they eventually lost Patrick Kane and didn't have Jonathan Taves for a good chunk of it. They sent away Max Domi and Sam Lafferty and Jake McCabe and a whole bunch of their higher talent. And the Hawks are still kind of dealing with those types of struggles with all the injuries and setbacks on the roster that they've had this year. But now... Connor Bedard's timetable is set to return within three to five weeks. Again, that's from the original timetable that the Hawks gave us three weeks ago. It was actually this day three weeks ago that he underwent jaw surgery. So hopefully we see him sooner rather than later. Again, I brought up the example that Boone Jenner of the Columbus Blue Jackets took six weeks to recover from a broken jaw, but everyone's different. And you want to make sure, first and foremost, that Bedard is ready and capable of coming back. But when he does come back, hopefully the team can still play the way they've been playing. 
And you can incorporate Connor Bedard into that rather than just relying on him to do absolutely everything, which they kind of were doing at the beginning of the year. It's not really the halfway point for the Hawks because they're well past the 41-game mark. But this is what you do during the All-Star break. You you try to create content and figure out what you're going to talk about. So we will address the first half and take a look at the second half. But I do just want to point out the pros and cons for this team. And most of them are pretty apparent. I mean, the biggest one and the most important one is Connor Bedard, obviously a pro (laughs) in more ways than many. Unfortunately, we won't get to see him represent the Hawks at the All-Star game. But he would have been the youngest All-Star in NHL history. And I had this conversation with Charlie Romeliotis. Can he still have that title? I, I, I mean, of course he can. And of course you can say it. But I wonder how that'll go down in the record books. Are, are they going to have to say every time the youngest player ever to be voted into the All-Star game and then maybe someone's a little bit older than Bedard? in the future years, and he actually does play, and then he becomes the youngest player ever to play in the All-Star game. It's one of those weird asterisk kind of things. The Hawks have so many different things out there that you can check on YouTube for this next week if you don't get your fill of watching Blackhawks hockey. Two videos released on their YouTube site today. The first one being a one-on-one interview with Connor Bedard and Victor Wembanyama, who was the number one overall pick in the NBA this past year, drafted by the San Antonio Spurs, and was receiving a lot of the same accolades and recognition that Connor Bedard was. You heard the word transformable in terms of transforming an organization, generational talent, those types of Very high, high qualities and high expectations, but they both seeming to fulfill those expectations immediately, especially Bedard. But it is really cool to see them just kind of pick each other's brains, two really young guys. I didn't really know much about Victor Wembenyama, other than he was another generational talent, and everyone was hoping they could win the lottery to be able to draft him just like Bedard. But he just seems to be another very introspective young kid like just a lot of a lot of questions very just intuitive wants to know things about hockey wants to know how Connor Bedard feels about you know learning to be an NHL player at 18 years old and it's just cool to see two young athletes who are immediately just put under a microscope and given all this attention right away. And it seems like Wambanyaba is handling it just as well as Connor Bedard. Again, it's very early on, but the way these guys have been handling it makes makes it pretty easy to believe why everyone had the high praise for these guys, not just because of their athletic ability, but also because who they are as human beings and their personalities. And it was it was cool to hear Wembenyama's opinion of all the recognition that he's been getting. And he kind of likes to revel in it. He kind of likes to, you know, accept it. Not not that Connor Bedard doesn't accept it, but Bedard is just so mature for an 18-year-old and, and a little stoic. But he does have a personality to him, too. He's got a good quick wit. He's got a dry sense of humor. 
Wembenyama's like putting on a cowboy hat, walking into barbecue restaurants in Texas and taking a bunch of pictures. And again, it's not like Bedard's not doing those things, but Wembenyama's got a little bit more flair to it. So it's kind of cool to see both those guys excelling in their roles in different ways. The one thing I didn't get to see yet was the most recent Every Shift episode where the Blackhawks pump out, I think this is episode number four of this year, and it looks like it's a heavy focus on Luke Richardson. We, we got a little tease of that. You know, we can believe all we want from coaches. It's the players have to believe. You kind of go from, like, this sucks to, all right, well, what are we going to do to fix it? How are you going to regroup, and how is the team going to respond? All we want to do is be out there and be part of the, the solution. That was Luke Richardson and Nick Foligno. Uh, Charlie Romeliotis of NBC Sports Chicago tweeted out a, a short clip of it. It's less than two minutes. I'll retweet it as well. But it's following along with Luke Richardson's workout routine. And if you didn't hear the, the great quote he had before the Calgary game on Saturday, it was, I think Phil Thompson, the Chicago Sun-Times, asked, what, is, what are your plans going to be for the All-Star break? And he said, exercise and wine. And actually, now that I say it, he said this last year, too. I don't know how that slipped my mind, but uh, yeah, he's he's waiting for that to become a t-shirt. But again, Luke Richardson is in such good shape. So many players often say he could still be playing. But in this episode, it looks like it's a heavy focus on Luke, and they follow him along throughout the day, checking out his workout routine and you know, just going off in the gym. And it ends with him showing his breakfast routine, and it's a box of all-brand cereal. And I think he says he also has yogurt with berries, and he's done that for 35 years straight. And remember when Taves was, like, posting his his breakfast routine, and it was just, like, all oats and yogurt and something green in a glass to drink on the side? I mean, that's how these hockey players are wired. And if they think about doing otherwise, it's probably going to make them feel like they slip off their game. So it's just part of the whole mental routine. And uh, I'm excited to watch it because I think Luke's a very interesting guy, and I want to hear more about how he goes about his daily business. Again, I want to get to some pros and cons. Obviously, Connor Bedard is a pro. Obviously, Nick Foligno, Jason Dickinson... Peter Mrazek and Alex Vlasic are all pros. Some of the cons, Corey Perry, Taylor Hall, Lucas Reichel, Arvid Sutterbloom, and obviously these being cons are in different ways. But I want to get into that a little bit more, and I'll hear your pros and cons too. 312-981-7200. You're listening to Blackhawks Live, but really quick, it's now time to cue the shot, brought to you by Curveball Whiskey. And this is one of the only two goals the Blackhawks were able to score over the last week. Foligno in the left wing corner. Put it out to Jones' left point. The Vlasic deep slot over to Jones' left point again. The curse set to Foligno. He shoots and scores! It's a power play goal, and the Hawks get one back. Ten seconds it took him. And Foligno redirects this one into the back of the crack in net. Bada boom, bada bing. A power play goal for the Hawks, and it's now 4-2 Seattle. John Weidman on the call. Bada boom, bada bing. Nick Foligno with... One of the two goals against the Seattle Kraken. That is our cue, the shot, which is brought to you by Curveball, the original barbecue whiskey. Join the Bonehead Nation today at curveballwhiskey.com. That's curveball, K-U-R-V-B-A-L-L, whiskey.com. I got to say, 
yesterday, had some friends and family over for the football games, made some pulled pork, poured in some of that barbecue whiskey as I deglazed the pan, putting it in the slow cooker. It was uh, good stuff, so it's not just good for taking down on its own. You can find other ways to be creative with it, too. More pros and cons of the Blackhawks season so far next here on Blackhawks Live, 720 WGN. There we go. I was wondering when the beat was going to drop. We've got such an earth, wind, and fire library here. It's kind of amazing, actually. It's even more amazing that Jack Heinrich always seems to find earth, wind, and fire to bump us back from each break. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. Uh, We're going to talk with Mike Folta after the 730 News. He's the play-by-play announcer for the Rockford Ice Hogs. Rockford not on a break right now, so we'll probably be keeping an eye on a lot of those Ice Hogs games and a lot of those different players. Actually, Louis Crevier was just recently recalled back to Rockford after spending some more time up with the Hawks. But I'm really interested to ask Mike about a few players individually. It looks like Colton Dock was back on the ice today. Uh, he had been dealing with concussion protocol recently after getting off to a great start with the Rockford Ice Hogs this year. So I want to talk to him about that. A few of the other guys that have been jumping up and down from the AHL and NHL and uh, just a few other things. I, I want to get to the pros and cons of this season. I, I listed Nick Felino, Jason Dickinson, Peter Mrazek, and Alex Vlasic as pros this year for the Hawks. And obviously, Connor Bedard falls under that umbrella, too. But I, I like it because they're they're all pros in different ways, and they do overlap as well, too. I mean, Felino, Dickinson, and Mrazic, you can just mark that down as a positive for this team because we now know that they're going to be here for the next two years, and that, that provides a little bit more stability for this team right now. And it's also cool because last year the trade deadline was all about moving pieces to acquire more draft picks and more draft capital. And there's not as much of a necessity to do that anymore because of what Kyle Davidson had done in the years past. So now he's rewarding these guys that are having good years, playing the way that they want them to play, and are good in the locker room. So now... It's the organization kind of rewarding these players, but it's also setting an example for the younger players in the organization. Like, hey, if if you do things the right way, if you go about it the right way, you can get rewarded even though this is a rebuild. And that's probably more plausible for some of the younger players. But getting to learn under those guys, especially Nick Felino, who just seems to be the perfect type of leader for this team right now. Keeping things in perspective... You know, Troy was talking about it. The game against Calgary, it's a one nothing loss it ended up being. But 19 straight road losses, you want to empty the tank. You want to make sure you, you give it your all in this last game, the last chance to try and break this losing skid before the All-Star break. And it would have been very easy for the Hawks to take any one of those periods off. But they didn't. And Troy was even saying you can notice a difference in the body language between the Hawks in their morning skate and the Calgary Flames in their morning skate. And again, I think you got to credit Luke Richardson and the coaching staff for making that still a priority for this team that is dealing with so many struggles and so many speed bumps. The other guy, Alex Vlasic, I mean, other than Bedard, is probably the first prospect that we're seeming, seeing to come up, 
make an instant impact, but just be what he was expected to be. I mean, Bedard was kind of like almost a shoe-in. We were expecting him to do these types of things. It doesn't mean it's still not impressive. It's still very, very exciting. But Vlasic is just... Now he's on the defensive side of things that's doing what he needs to do. And no, it's not a, a flashy spot for him because he's just kind of one of your homegrown, old-school defensemen. But he's a big guy. He's using his long range. He's figuring out how to play and skate with his body at the NHL level and making an impact and getting a lot of playing time and a lot of responsibility and just thriving with it. So hopefully more good things to see in that regard with other young players. And I hate to end on a sour note before heading into the break in the news, but we got to point out the cons because there are a lot of them. A 20-game losing skid on the road. You know, Taylor Hall, and and this isn't his fault, right? I I mean, he, he suffers an injury and knocks him out for the rest of the year, probably. He did post some rehab videos on Instagram, so it's nice to see him kind of getting back. But because he wasn't here last year and he was an off-season acquisition, you almost like really forget that he's here. But he was supposed to be a big part of the offense and a big support system for Connor Bedard. And he still can be, but he isn't quite on the ice right now. And who knows, maybe those two guys are meshing a lot because they're both in rehab situations. The Corey Perry situation, no one could have predicted. And it is just a, a rough thing for the Hawks to have to handle and, and quickly move on from. And then Lucas Reichel, who recently got a couple of games, and honestly, his last game looked great. He was being more aggressive offensively. But the consistency has been the main criticism about him this year. Because what he showed Saturday is what we saw last spring from him and during training camp and maybe once in a while earlier this year, but never consistently. And unfortunately, Arvid Sutterbloom had another setback on this road trip too. After having three solid starts, we thought that maybe he'd be turning the corner, but he still seems to be a question mark in this Blackhawks goaltending depth department. We got to get to a break. Steve Ruxton has your news from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. After that, we talk with Mike Fulta, the play-by-play voice of the Rockford Ice Hogs. Got a lot of players to talk about, and we'll uh, close things out before eight o'clock. But now we got to send it over to the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom with Steve Ruxton. Moving along on Blackhawks Live, as the Hawks hit the All-Star break, their next game not until February seventh, hosting the Minnesota Wild. It's going to be 9 out of 10 games for the Hawks at the UC. The road game, the lone road game they have in the month of February is on the 19th against the Carolina Hurricanes. And, of course, we're all checking our schedule, too, for Sunday, February 25th, when they'll retire Chris Chelios's number 7. And Patrick Kane's return to the United Center with the rival Detroit Red Wings. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. Our guest this week is Mike Folta. He's the play-by-play voice of the Rockford Ice Hogs. We've had him on here before. And, Mike, thanks for taking time out of your Monday night for us today. Yeah, thanks, Joe. I know the uh, Blackhawks are at the All-Star break. We're, uh, we're not quite there here in the American Hockey League, but we're getting there. We can, we can smell that, uh, that warm salt air that, that some of the guys are going to be tasting here in the next couple of days. But we still have a, a few games to go before we get there. You got a big homestand coming up too, right? 
Yep, that's right. Uh, in February, we're actually at home quite a bit, kind of like the Blackhawks, which is nice. Uh, we've got three games uh, at the BMO Center in Rockford this week and three chances for the Hogs to, to kind of get back on track after uh, we've lost the last couple. So you had practice today. Uh, was was today Colton Doc's first day back since going on concussion protocol? He had had a couple practices under his belt. They are, they're taking their time with him. Um, He's clear. He's been cleared for full contact these last couple of, uh, of times on the ice, but uh, we're not going to see him this weekend, probably, uh, according to Coach Andrew Sorensen and our media availability uh, earlier today. Um, so they're they're being extra careful with, with a guy who, again, has had some injury issues, you know, the last couple of uh, of seasons, unfortunately for him. No, for sure, and rightly so. It was unfortunate timing, though, because you almost wonder if he could have gotten a lick up here in the NHL with so many bodies going down for the Hawks and how well he was playing. Um, but, of course, his his health matters first and foremost, so you understand why they kept him down. But timing may have been a little rough for him. Yeah, I mean, I can't really speak to, you know, who's going up and who's going down, but certainly with all those injuries, uh, I mean, we were uh, the Blackhawks were pulling from the ranks of the Ice Hawks, and so that sent us out in the AHL quite a bit with guys like, uh, you know, Brett Cini going up and, and things like that. Uh, we, we got hit by the injury bug a little bit in December, and, and obviously that continued with with Doc, who's had a really good start to his his pro career uh, here in the AHL. At least goes right to the net, uh, big strong body out there, a power forward, but also has uh, you know really good instincts and really good hands around the around the crease as well. And, and he's been a lot of fun to watch. What have you noticed from guys who get their NHL call up, whether it's their first time or not? and then head back to Rockford. I, I mean, I know Boris Kachuk took the news pretty well and did a lot of damage down there and then carried that momentum back up here. But every time someone comes up from Rockford, Mike, they have nothing but great things to say about the camaraderie down there, being able to work on things, just having a good time. But, you know, it's we don't often talk to them or about them when they go back down to Rockford. I mean, what have you noticed from any of those situations? Well, I think the natural fear is that, you know, maybe guys won't be as motivated when they are, you know, get sent down to the AHL. But, you know, you mentioned Boris Kachuk. Uh, that was my first time interacting with him, and, and he came down, got right to work, and made a huge impact for us on the ice. He was playing hard from night one uh, and was, was doing a lot of the little things aside from, from just scoring, and he was scoring. Uh, we just got Cole Gutman down. Uh, he, he's been up and down a few times since I've been with, with the Ice Hogs, and and every time he's come down, he, he's played a really smart game. He's uh, responsible defensively um, at, at our level, especially. I know they want him to get a little bit more responsible defensively at the NHL level, but uh, but he's a really smart player that uh, that does a lot for the Hogs. And uh, honestly, everybody who's come down has come in with a great attitude and, and, and played hard. I think of guys like Wyatt Kaiser and Philip Roos that came down together actually from uh, the Blackhawks to the Ice Hogs a couple of weeks back and. Those guys were actually on a deep pairing and have been on a deep pairing until um, until Wyatt got dinged up a little bit earlier this past week. But those guys were both playing playing hard and, and being difficult to play against, and that's been a hallmark of this Ice Hogs group when, when we're winning. I take it it's not surprising for you to see Joey Anderson having the success up at the NHL level like he was doing in Rockford, huh? Yeah, and kind of like Gutman, just another really intelligent player, right? Yeah. And, uh to see him have that success with, with Dickinson and that chemistry has been been really fun to watch. And, and you know, selfishly here with the Ice Hogs, we, 
we want him back down here, but uh, but he seems to be be thriving uh, up uh, with the big club, and and that's why we're here, right? To to, to send him on his way and 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 to prepare him for that next level. What have you noticed from the goalies? Because obviously that's that's a huge conversation with Arvid Sutterbloom's struggles this year. Um, but but from an outside perspective, and feel free to correct or, or tweak anything I, I say. Um, it, it just seems like Camesso is putting up good numbers, but this is still his first year in professional hockey. He's kind of learning his way. And Jackson Stauber's numbers aren't great, so it, it might make more sense to keep Arvid Sutterbloom up at the NHL level. That's what the Hawks did uh, right around the Christmas break. But but in your eyes, what's going on with those two guys at the goaltending position in Rockford right now? Well, it is really interesting in the crease for the Hawks because most AHL teams have, you know, a young goaltending prospect and, and then a veteran goalie. Well, with us in Rockford, we have three technically rookies, uh, uh, rookie goaltenders on the roster right now. You mentioned Stauber and, and Camesso, then Mitchell Weeks is on an AHL contract uh, with us as well. And so, yeah, you know, Camesso went into a little bit of um, a bit of a rough patch there in December, and it wasn't just him by any means. Um, it's also, you know, the team wasn't playing as well. Again, like I mentioned, the, the Blackhawks were injured, and so that meant guys were going up, and it just it wasn't the best threat of, of Ice Hogs hockey. And one thing that stands out about Camesso is that he's such a cerebral athlete, and, and talking with him, he puts a lot of emphasis on, on the mental game. And when he lost five in a row with us back in December, that was the first time he's lost five in a row ever in his career. Uh, and so that that has been kind of a learning curve for him, adapting to you know the the throws of a of a seventy two game pro hockey season. Uh, it's it's pretty much been him and, and Jackson Stauber alternating starts for the most part. Um, I, I think there's been improvement in Stauber's game compared to uh, compared to last season. Uh, I think kind of what we see sometimes is is Stauber getting unlucky on some nights, and kind of the example I use for that is. Um, you know, the first weekend of the year, Camesso starts on Friday, and we win seven to two. And then uh, on Saturday, Stauber's in net, and we lose seven to two. And and he saw forty nine shots in that game. And uh, so it's it kind of uh, I think he's had some bad luck at times this year, but there's definitely been improvement from last season. Everyone's trying to figure out how to turn around Lucas Reichel's year, and it's not his first time in the NHL, and it's. Not even like he hasn't had success in the NHL yet. He, we saw him do a lot of great things last season. But kind of the, the position he was put in this year was probably more towards what he was doing in Rockford in terms of being put at the center position and uh, gaining the responsibility of being more aggressive and you know trying to, uh, in, in some ways, like be, be the second option when Connor Bedard's not there. And it just hasn't been clicking whatsoever this season. Is there, is there anything that you saw in Reichel's game last year that made you think that it would translate to the NHL? I mean, because, again, I saw some of those games, too, and he was doing what he needed to do. But now, for whatever reason, this season, it's just been a complete turnaround. Yeah, I guess I have a couple of thoughts on that. One being, you know, remembering back to last season when he was with the Ice Hogs, one of the big things that I think the staff wanted to see out of him was how he uh, reacted to adversity over the course of the game. And so that means, 
you know, preventing one bad shift from turning into two bad shifts and, and things like that. Um, and I, I think he's grown a lot in, in that sense where uh, if maybe he turns it over on one shift, he'll go out and, and have a, a responsible effort on the next shift. Um, and, and the other part of it, too, is, you know, I, I'm reminded of, of the guy in the Minnesota organization, Marco Rossi, who, you know, he, he went up with the Wild, uh, I believe it was last year, and really didn't do anything in, in a you know, 16, 17-game sample size. And so, you know, and he's, a, he's a first-round pick, you know, a skilled guy with, with Minnesota. Uh, we saw him in the AHL quite a bit. And so people were kind of wondering the same thing in Minnesota, like why is this not translating to the NHL? And, and what do you know this year? You know, he, he stays up there more full-time, and, and he turned into a producer with, with Minnesota. And so I just don't think it, it, it's fair to, you know, give up on guys by any means. I know it hasn't clicked for, for Lucas, you know, so far this season. But, again, you know, he, he's such a young player, and he's so skilled, like, and he's so fast. He's such a good skater that – it's hard not to be excited about the upside that's still there, even though it hasn't connected yet. No, I I, to- I totally agree with you, and I, I honestly, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of his, and I, I think he can be a confident guy, and I I do think he's a very hard-working guy, because heading into the year, he, he was working on bulking up and becoming more physical and working on the face-offs, because he knew he was going to be playing center a lot this year, but... And again, training camp, he looked great. He he may have looked like the best guy, if not for Connor Bedard during training camp. But then once the season started, for whatever reason, he just wasn't able to continue it. I'm I'm totally with you, Mike. I'm not on. Uh, I don't want to come come across as I'm on record for ready to give up on him. Um, but it it is just kind of baffling. It's it's a little. Um, it's a, it's a bit of a head scratcher because of how high the Hawks have expectations for him and, and what he has capable of himself, too. Uh, I do want to bring up Anders Sorensen because you, uh, you you mentioned him earlier. Big weekend for him, huh? Hockey Hall of Fame in Illinois? Yeah, yeah, really cool, uh, really cool, you know, feather in the cap for him. Of course, we, we asked him about it at media availability, and he, you know, as always, is very humble and did his best to, the, to deflect it, but... Uh, and, of course, he credits a lot of the guys that he saw come through, you know, the Chicago Mission program, guys like, um, you know, Vinny Henestroza or a, a Schmaltz, um, you know, working with a young William Nylander, things like that. I mean, he credits a lot of the guys that he's, you know, seen up through the, the ranks as, you know, one of the reasons why he was given that uh, award. But, um, yeah, really really cool, um, really cool, um, yeah, award, I guess you could say, for – for Anders, and, and he is obviously a big piece being the head coach, but also he's been a big piece of this Blackhawks organization as a de- development coach for a long time now and, and uh, you know, has deep ties to uh, a lot of the young players that have come up through, um, you know, to the Blackhawks these last couple of years. How's the year going, Mike? Uh, this, is, this is your first full year in the gig, right? Yeah, yeah, first, first full year, and, um, you know, people throw around uh, – the, the words, the dog days right now as we get into uh, into February here. But it, it's been awesome. And, you know, the team is still in the playoff spot right now, a couple games below 500. But it's a really young group, which has been a lot of fun so far. Uh, it means we have some good storylines. We have a lot of exciting prospects with us right now. And and um, a lot of those prospects have stepped in and, and delivered from, you know, from the get-go, which has made things a lot of fun. Uh, it solved a lot of questions that we had about this team early in the year. 
Uh, and we still got a long way to go, but uh, there's a lot of reason for optimism. Cool, cool. Mike, great stuff, man. Thank you very much for taking time out of your night, and uh, have a great call. What, tomorrow's the next game? Yep, tomorrow we got uh, we got the Manitoba Moose. They uh, they snapped an 11-game losing streak against us on Saturday night, so we have some payback uh, on the docker here coming up. <laughs> okay, well, good luck with that then. Yeah, no, appreciate it, Joe. Thanks. All right, thank you. That is Mike Folta, play-by-play voice of the Rockford Ice Hogs, and a friend of the show, too. Appreciate Mike taking time out of his night. We got one more break, and then we'll wrap things up as uh, Jack Heinrich will take over and tell us what's going on around the league. And uh, we'll get to some of your calls and texts, too. 312-91-7200 as we wrap up Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. Wrapping up Blackhawks Live on this Monday night. Crazy next time we'll have Blackhawks Live. We still won't have any games to talk about. I guess we'll have to cover the All-Star break and the All-Star game, the skills competition, that kind of stuff. Really quick at the text line from the 630, it is uh, John and Rogie the Cat from Oswego. Hey, Joe, I think it's time for a coaching change for the Blackhawks. If Dennis Savard is still up to it again, he would be a good coach. All right, well, that's... I'm not. I am not ready to jump on the let's move Luke Richardson out of his seat train. Um, I, I really am impressed with the way he's able to keep a team motivated often and almost every day. I feel like he's got a really good hold on the dressing room. He does a good job of being forward with those guys and just being honest and being straight. And I feel like they receive it pretty well. And until he gets a roster that can be more competitive for a Stanley Cup playoff run, I don't think we can jump right to criticizing the way he he structures the game just yet. Our producer, Jack Heinrich, chimes in for this last segment. He takes us through the NHL and points out what he finds interesting. So what do you got on the agenda today, Jack? Uh, I feel like this is turning into the Edmonton Oilers winning streak update. True. But... Uh, they just keep on winning. We saw the Hawks play them uh, this past week, but they won on Saturday to win their 16th game in a row. They are now one win away from tying the longest win streak in NHL history, held by the 1992-93 Pittsburgh Penguins. And they're in the All-Star break now, so they're going in on a super high. And their first game out of the All-Star break is February 6th at Vegas. So that should be a really good one to see if they can continue the streak. I wonder if that's a national broadcast. It'd be a perfect one for it. And the Edmonton Oilers are probably the team that's most frustrated that the break is when it is because winning 16 straight games and then, hey, you know, you're not playing for a while. But, yeah, I mean, the Hawks saw firsthand why they're on a roll right now, um, doing all the things that they probably wanted to do at the beginning of the year. But, I mean, just a, a well-oiled machine they are offensively, and uh, they're they're really reaping the benefits. Yeah, so that game is going to be the ESPN Plus Hulu game on Tuesday. Okay, so good call. It is the national game, and the Hawks have played them twice on this win streak, and I feel like it's been two of their better efforts of the season. Yeah. The Hawks. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, remember the game at the United Center where the Hawks lost 2-1, to one, but they held Edmonton to seven shots on goal in the last two periods? I yeah, mean, 15 in the game, I think. Yeah, like Connor McDavid was not happy with his team's performance mm-hmm. at all. And you're right. They matched up against each other twice on this winning streak, but the first time they matched up, Edmonton was on another eight-game winning streak. So three matchups, the Hawks have run into the Oilers as they're red hot every time. Yeah, that's just unfortunate scheduling luck and for them. And then moving on to, I guess this is a little more of a hot and cold, but the Kings, after a hot start to the year, they're 
Head in a rough stretch, 2-8-6 and six in their last 16. Six overtime losses. That's brutal, especially in overtime. You feel like you can get a little luck in something, but they've really been struggling. I think they're still hovering around the playoffs, but not how they want to go in the all-star break. They got one more game at Nashville on TNT on Wednesday, but not how they're wanting to go into the break right well, now. Well, did you see what Drew Doughty was saying after, was it a loss to Minnesota maybe? No, I didn't. He was, he was calling out his teammates. Oh, I did I did see that. He said, we've got guys here that are thinking the game's over. We're up by a couple of goals, and they're thinking it's going to be a cookie night. <laughs> and that's when I asked Troy, I'm like, have you ever heard it called a cookie night before? And he's like, no. And I explained the context. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Guys are searching for cookies, searching for points. And I'm like, oh. yeah, but it's still cookie night. That's that's quite a phrase. I've never heard that before. Yeah, that's that's a good <laughs> Good post game bite there, but I mean they got one more game to turn it around um, on a nationally televised game, uh, and this is a little bit of a fun one. I don't know if you saw this. Henrik Lundqvist played in his first alumni game for the Rangers on Sunday. They played the Islanders alumni, and it was since it was his first game, all the other alumni for the Rangers made him take a rookie lap around the ice. That's funny. So you're never too old for a tradition, I guess. That so. wasn't outside, was it? No. Because that is a stadium series coming up, I believe, mm-hmm. with the Rangers, Islanders, Devils, and Flyers. Yeah, that sounds right. At the City Field, series. at yeah. City Field, two games. So that'll be cool. Um, cool, Jack. Thank you. You got it. That's Jack Heinrich, our producer. A, a couple other things I wanted to point out. I was just scrolling on Instagram when I saw this. Uh, Adam Fantilli suffered a cut to his leg. Uh, his left leg. It's not funny. My slip up might have been, but this isn't. Uh, a cut to his left leg from a skate blade in Sunday's game at Seattle and will not play at St. Louis on Tuesday. He's going to receive further evaluation after the club returns to Columbus following the game against the Blues. So both Fantilli and Bedard just suffering kind of crazy injuries. I mean, it's it's hockey. It's it's not they're not unheard of, but just um, definitely a little untraditional. And uh, one other note as we wrap up the show, I just do want to. Credit and congratulate John Steinmiller, a longtime media relations guy, the Chicago Blackhawks. He's actually heading over to the Chicago Cubs, the team announcing it earlier today. Uh, He's going to be taking over the reins there as uh, one of the longest mainstays in Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, or uh, like fundamentals. I mean, I remember being a reporter going into the dressing room, getting sound, and and Steiny was always there to move the players in and out, help us out with anything we absolutely needed. And then once I got this role, you really get to see how much these people do and how useful and resourceful and helpful they are. And they often got to play the bad guy. And uh, they they never take it personally. So just definitely want to credit uh, John Steinmiller moving on to the Cubs organization. Cubs got a really good one. That's going to do it for Blackhawks Live. Big thanks to Mike Fulta, our producer Jack Heinrich.